0: Just another ambulance, it could be anywhere in the world, racing to an accident or another medical emergency. But this vehicle is different. It's fitted with a radio transmitter which tells the operation's base its location, speed and estimated time of arrival. It's just one of the ways Global Positioning Systems, or GPS for short, are being used. GPS was born out of the race in space for military supremacy.
1: What if free people could live secure in the knowledge that their security did not rest upon the threat of instant U.S. retaliation to deter a Soviet attack, that we could intercept and destroy strategic ballistic missiles before they reached our own soil or that of our
0: allies. In the 80s, U.S. President Ronald Reagan wanted to protect America with a blanket of orbital satellites capable of destroying any attacking missiles. At the same time, the military wanted to improve navigational information for its forces. A byproduct of the two demands was GPS, a system of 24 satellites which provided precise locational information for armies, pilots, and in peacetime, blind travellers like Mike May. Okay,
2: I'm at an intersection in San Francisco and I want to figure out which way to head. I'm going to hit the where am I key on my computer. Four-way intersection, Clay Street is at 3 o'clock and at 9 o'clock, Van Ness Avenue is at 12 o'clock. Okay, I'm proceeding north along Van Ness. Pacific Avenue, Van Ness Avenue, north on Van Ness. Okay, now I'm going to hang our right, so I'm going to hit the right arrow key. Pacific Avenue facing east. One of my greatest challenges has been getting around. I use a CNI dog to help me with that, but in terms of figuring out where I am or where I want to go, I've always had to ask people for directions and rely on them being dependable. This new technology that we have at Arkinstone allows me to get accurate information much more readily.
0: Mike is the proud owner of the world's first portable integrated GPS receiver and mapping computer. The notebook-sized equipment, launched this week by Arkenstone in California, states the holder's exact location, give or take 10 metres. The computer's software then takes account of that slight inaccuracy and turns that information into a street name and number. All Mike has to do is tell the machine where he wants to go, and it will verbally tell him how to get there step by step. The way it works is the system is comprised of uh, three segments. There's the satellite
3: segment, which is the 24 orbiting satellites. There's a control segment, which keeps track of the satellites and makes sure they're transmitting the right data, makes sure that the satellites know where they are. And then the user segment, which is the receivers that we all use to position ourselves.
0: Ralph Eschenbar is a research scientist at the Trimble Company in California's Silicon Valley. They're the world's largest producer of GPS technology and he was one of the original brains behind the receiving and transmitting equipment. Suzanne Mantefal also works for the company. She explains more about the theory behind GPS.
1: Effectively what happens is there's an almanac put up for each satellite and it's all based on radio signals and although the satellites are up 11,000 miles they emit a signal down to us on a radio basis or frequency. Then knowing that timing from us to the satellite and knowing what its almanac is or where it's supposed to be given that information and given a lot of trigonomics and all the other mathematical calculations that we put into our software we can determine where we are anywhere in the world.
0: In simple terms, the system uses geometry to calculate a receiver's location. Two satellites constantly state their own positions. This allows the decoder to calculate, or triangulate, its own rough coordinates. Add a third satellite and the error margin is reduced to 10 metres. Using a fourth satellite, you can obtain a reading for altitude. But to Mike in San Francisco, this billion-dollar technology is accessed by just a few simple keys on his portable computer.
2: It allows me to figure out before I go somewhere the details of the intersections and the streets that help fill in the blanks so I don't find myself wandering around aimlessly or spending extra time trying to get somewhere. So it gives me more confidence and also more safety because I don't have to get lost in areas that uh, might not be the best parts of town.
0: What about its reliability though? How reliable is it?
2: The map data is quite reliable. It's not perfect. But it's very defined. Uh, streets don't change that often. The names might change. But at least 95, if not 99% of the time, we can depend on that data being correct. Destination options, Travel options. Route operation. Set virtual position. By address.
0: At Arkenstone in Silicon Valley, they painstakingly interfaced the GPS technology with existing digital computerized maps. They then added more software and a voice synthesizer to create the new equipment. Bill Swaglar is the group's product manager. It tells you that you are near the intersection. You are near a particular address. You
3: are near uh, any location or a point of interest or a landmark the user may select so that it helps them to navigate around a city. But it does not walk you down the sidewalk. It doesn't tell you to look out for the fire hydrant. It
0: doesn't tell you that there's no sidewalk ahead, that it's now a construction zone. One day, though, with mapping technology always improving and details of maps always improving, one day will it actually do that? It'll get close, but it will never be perfect, because
3: as soon as a map is published, it's out of date.
0: But this kind of technology has been used before by the motor industry. Dave Vaughan designs GPS tracking systems. Here in his sports car he has Trimble's latest navigation aid.
1: What uh, our system does is it uses the GPS satellites to uh, track your car and then it displays it on this map here that's located in the
0: dash. Now, in front of us, the screen actually displays very much like uh, you see on an aircraft. It's a very small screen, a bit like a TV screen. Yes. And the map changes as we're driving along.
1: Yes, it's a moving map display, they call it. It it keeps track of where it is, and when you drive to the edge of the screen, it replenishes the screen so you can see the, the next block of the map. You can see we're standing here beside this uh, freeway now that uh, connects uh, San Jose uh, and San Francisco, that's Highway 101. Today, very few of the cars have these navigation systems in them, but uh, within the next uh, five years or so, it will become a standard option just like the radio is in your car, and all the cars will have access to not only navigation features, but also real-time traffic information and routing information if there should be an accident on the freeway you can push through your recalculate button and it will be constantly being fed real-time information and will give you a reroute around the accidents.
0: The system will become even more common as major motor manufacturers introduce GPS equipment as standard in many of their models. So how exactly will such devices work? Ralph Eschenbach has the answer. So let me
3: load in a map of San Francisco here. Okay, now we have that in. Now, if you move up to this side, you can see the map a little bit more expanded. Now, what's actually happening here is we're getting signals from the satellites and we're being able to measure the distance from the satellites. We measure that distance from four satellites simultaneously and from that we can triangulate our position. After that, the computer in the car will take that position and be able to put it onto the streets. Now, there's a lot of work that goes into doing that because you have to know which ones are one way and which ones... Uh, have only um, certain directions you can go on them, what the rate of traffic is on those streets. But based on all that information, we can now take you directly to your destination a lot more efficiently and a lot more effectively.
0: So what we're witnessing here in the computerized office is no different to what actually is happening in the car, in the secrecy of the black box.
3: Uh, That's actually right. It's just another computer that's in the car that uh, does the same computations I just showed you here that'll actually do routing and take you to a destination that'll have all the data in it that tells you uh, where the restaurants are, and if you want Chinese, you can get Chinese, and if you want Indian, you can get Indian. And this uh, computer that's in the car, that's similar to the one we have here, will be able to give you directions right to it.
0: Now, having an Indian takeaway or a Chinese meal is probably going to be a lot cheaper than it is to have this system, so how much is it going to cost me?
3: Well, these systems today cost somewhere around two $2,000 dollars to $2,500, but um, in the future that cost will come way down. They'll probably be in the three to $500 region in the not-too-distant future.
0: How much of that cost is sort of reflecting how difficult it has been to actually make this thing work? Or how much of it is that sort of companies have decided to make a, a lot of money at the beginning?
3: Certainly the mapping is a major part of that, uh, being able to get all that uh, information digitized for all the streets in the U.S. Uh, you can now put them all in one CD, and so there's been a lot of work that's gone into that area. A lot of work has gone into the GPS engine itself. There are a lot of computations that have to be done, uh, computing great circle routes and computing uh, spheroids and ellipsoids of the Earth's surface, uh, taking into account the different um, gravity potential uh, surface shapes, uh, there's just a lot of work that's been involved in, in these kind of computations and that development has taken time and of course costs money.
0: As GPS receivers become cheaper, smaller and easier to use, scientists are increasingly finding new roles for the technology. At the University of California at Davis, Ken Giles is an associate professor of bio and agricultural engineering.
2: One place where it's being used is in the application of fertilizers where the grower or the farmer will go out, determine the characteristics of the field using the GPS uh, positioning to know the location of, say, sampling of soil. They'll then use this information to control the machine when the fertilizer applicator goes out so that each individual portion of the farm gets just the right amount of fertilizer. The other place that's being used is purely for navigation when navigation is important. For example, when crops are being sprayed by aircraft, the pilots of the aircraft will use the GPS to align the aircraft for each pass across the field so that there's no excess use of pesticide. There's also no missed places where an insect problem or a disease problem could develop.
1: Good Don't touch it. Really good.
0: Here on the Sacramento River, GPS is being used to map America's maritime history. From the sea to the fields of rural England to the streets of San Francisco, the equipment is playing an increasingly important role in all of our lives. All of this from an inaudible, tiny signal, thousands of miles out in space. Once in the receiver though, the sound waves are amplified by microprocessors. But how can that positioning system be so precise? And with the importance of GPS readings ever increasing, how can surveyors, scientists and travellers be sure that the data is accurate, given the harsh environments the system is often used in? Ralph Eschenbar once more. Well, GPS, for all practical
3: purposes, can't and doesn't make mistakes. Being a digital signal, if uh, the signal gets too weak or it starts to fade out, uh, you lose the signal completely, you don't get a mistaken answer.
0: What about the Earth's atmosphere and the climates around the world? How does that affect the signal? There are two principal effects
3: that contribute uh, slight errors to the signal as it propagates from the satellite. One is the ionosphere and one is the troposphere. Uh, The ionosphere delays the signal uh, due to the free electron content in the atmosphere. Uh, That is, first of all, modeled, and uh, a model of that uh, is transmitted by the satellites so that the user can compute what the modeled ionosphere is at any point on the surface of the Earth. That can take out about half of the ionosphere correction. Uh, in worst case, during solar flare activities, the uh, magnitude of that error can be up to probably 10 or so meters. The troposphere is the basis of the weather. You can get smaller errors there on the order of 3 to 5 meters through the troposphere. If, though, if you need to correct for those, you need to measure the temperature and the humidity, and uh, you can use that in computations for more precise receivers to calculate out the effects of the troposphere as well.
0: How have they managed to actually make it so accurate, then? We're working with a a parameter called the speed of
3: light. And the speed of light, as known by Einstein, is a constant with uh, some relativistic effects thrown in, but uh, basically a constant. And so we're just looking at the propagation velocity. and We're measuring the time that it takes from the signal to get from the satellite to the user. And by measuring that time very precisely, we can um, determine the range very precisely. Hi, I'm Robert with Express of Couriers. I see there's supposed to be a package going up to Lombard Street in San Francisco available for me.
2: Uh, OK, let me check. Um,
0: this is for Bobby Robert Wasley, oh, the Bobby accuracy of GPS is beyond question, cool. and by using an integrated computer and receiver system, he says it's made his business more efficient.
3: Oh, it's made a very dramatic difference. Uh, as opposed to verbal communication or using pagers, we're able to get uh, our orders out to our drivers immediately such a way as within a sixtieth of a second there is no waiting time uh, for them to get their orders and also too there's no mistakes made by misunderstanding what the dispatcher has said and of course having you know newer drivers for instance are able to become much more efficient much quicker due to the fact is that they you know they don't have to go through the long
0: learning curve that verbal communication has to do. Here in Fremont, Northern California, the ambulance service now uses GPS to track and direct its crews. The data is then plotted on a large TV screen to provide operators with valuable extra information, says technical manager Dennis Jackson. We
1: receive actual recommendations from our computer system based on the closest ambulance who is closest to the call as a crow flies. Prior to that, the dispatcher had to remember where all of the 90 ambulances were that the dispatcher was responsible for. Now the dispatcher sees a picture of those ambulances moving and realizes where the call is based on an icon that's on the screen. So we have added the sense of sight to that dispatcher's decision-making process so they can now make better decisions, more informed decisions, and we provide a better service for that.
0: As the applications for GPS continue to grow, at Trimble's factory they're introducing a new product every other day. With such a rapid expansion in technology and equipment it's hard to comprehend which new avenues of our lives the system will affect next. Tim Phelps is the design manager at the company.
3: Well GPS today is like the uh, PC was uh, 10 years ago. Um, We're seeing uh, GPS uh, shrinking and getting more power efficient um, all the time today. Um, pretty soon, we will have, you know, think pads and, and personal digital assistant sized GPSs that are uh, operating off uh, battery power that will really enable uh, a consumer to be able to afford this and it will be really unknown the different ways that we can apply this information.
0: Perhaps one day we'll have a thinking robotic courier automatic fruit harvesters and even cars that drive themselves, Ralph Essenbar.
3: You're stepping a couple years into the future, but certainly that kind of technology is being worked on today. What we'll see first is uh, highways that will allow you to drive onto the highway and then click into an autopilot mode where an autopilot will take over the driving function and keep you automatically spaced from the car ahead of you. And you'll merge in with a bunch of other cars that are being similarly controlled. And so you'll all be able to drive at high speeds, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour and only 10 feet apart because you're not worried about the car in front of you stopping because it's all automatically controlled much like the cars in a train. But eventually, yes, you'll be able to um, have uh, fully automatic control just like like a pilot does today in an airplane.
1: GPS is going to become the next utility. It's important for everyone as gas, water, and telephone lines. Everyone will want to know where their location is and will be becoming dependent upon it. The development of GPS will only be limited by our imaginations.